from the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's Are You Not Entertained? Now here's your host, Ed Nathanson. Sup, dudes! I tried to do my most mass holy-ish intro today because I am pumped not only to be here again with the wise, the great, the inimitable, the beautiful David Zoo Yaz. Beautiful. Yes. I think you're beautiful. Oh, well, Ed, warms my heart per usual. Happy to, <laughs> happy to be here, sir. I am just the Obi-Wan to your Grandmaster Funk. I don't know. Something like that. Right, I'll go yeah. with that, though. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Today, though, we're going to go back. We're going to go forward. We're going to go all the way around. I have a super awesome guest in the studio today. Let me give you a little background first. I've known this person since I was four years old, growing up in Framingham, Mass., otherwise known as the Promised Land. Okay? He has gone on. I haven't seen him in, what, 10 years, I think, before today, uh, since the last... But we've talked online, social media, of course. And I've been watching his career, his amazingness, and what he's done. And, you know, a huge part of me is jealous. And unlike other guests I've had on the show, which are really employer branding or marketing... He's not in this world, but he's what I consider the most interesting man in Boston. His name is Michael Winter. Uh, he is the owner of Miha Restaurant. Yes, yes. He is the owner of Miha Restaurant in Boston. He is one of the most uh, well-known and, 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 and connected, I guess, promoters of nightclubs in Boston. And he also, on top of all this, is this concierge, and you'll maybe explain this in a bit, of the celebrities that come to Massachusetts to see what it's all about. So welcome to my old friend, Michael Winter. Thank you, Ed. I'm so pumped to have you here. Uh, and, and again, we'll give you a chance to know more about Mike at the end of this, but I'm just going to get right into it. Okay. So I've known you since you were a kid. We played sports together. We did a lot of shenanigans together back in the day. We'll talk about high school another time. But what I really want to know is, how the hell are you doing what you're doing now? The guy I knew was not on the path to become this, like, multifaceted mystery man. You know, it's, uh, first of all, Eddie, it's, it's so funny. Like, right when he talked about the years, I, I look at you and I just, I'm like, okay, this is where I broke my first arm in a pillow fight at your house. <laughs> That's right, yes. I urinated in your brother Andrew's fuck, I mean, excuse me, <laughs> pissed in his bed. Yeah. And I remember specifically being five or six years old and have running in there trying to find a towel from your bathroom to dry so hopefully, Ruth, <laughs> so hopefully your mother Ruth wouldn't, uh, you know, find out. And then I, the vivid memory of your poor mom having to mop up mine in your throw up. Oh, you know, it was... <laughs> This was, we owned the True Bar for Rama, you know, before Stand By Me came out, you know, you throwing up and then me being like four or five years old also, and I throw up and then Andrew Katzman is sitting there with a straw on his tooth trying to be like Bugs Bunny and his tooth pops out. Yes. It was all, it was just, and this thing is like a vivid, it is in my mind like the first porn I've ever watched. It's just, now that's important. <laughs> yes. Right. So I'm, I'm so pumped that I, was, I earned that it, special place in it, your and brain. You, and you know, it's like you were always the other person, and we'll talk about high school yeah. another time, but I, my, I just know that me, you always had that. We were like connected through porn and dirty mags <laughs> in high school, like switching them off to each other. Like, yes. we, you know, it was like that day that you're just like, I am not going yes, to school today. I, I'm going to call out sick because I have a new porn. 
and I'm gonna go get a box of Elio's pizza uh, shells, and I'm gonna stay home and just pretend I'm sick all day. Right, yes. But I know damn well I have the stamina of a 17 year old. I'm gonna just wear my hand out like no tomorrow. And we had the black market. Yes, we sure. did. So, um, all right. Dude. Sorry to your kids that yes. you know just. <laughs> <laughs> Let them know that your father was like a porn addict. Uh, well, my son's 14. So oh, so sure yes. he's, you know, times have changed. It's no longer the black market. It's so, the internet. But anyways, go ahead, get into it. So you're going to find out, um, you know, my ADHD is amazing. It just brings me all over the place, but I'll always bring you back. Um, yeah, so um, right now, currently, um, I do own Miha Cantina. We're opening up a second location in the JetBlue Terminal. Awesome. That'll be open up in a couple months. Um I am the VIP director of Royale, which is the biggest nightclub in the Boston. Back in the day, you guys would know it as Roxy. Oh, yeah. Um, huge. Uh, 1,200 to 1,500 people, capacity, tables, um, LED, the whole bells and whistles of a nightclub. Um, but, you know, listening to your show, I also, you know, I am involved in different uh, entrepreneurial aspects. Like I, even though I'm currently in, uh, let's say, litigation in Hong Kong, I do own um, the MTV logo and uh, for all their audio electronics wearable technologies, and we developed their own headphone line. So hopefully that will get resolved. That's more of an internal issue, not right. with me or any of my investors, just with structural leadership, which I'm sure in the corporate world everybody knows it. Yes, yes, yes. Starts from the start. And then, um, you know, like you said, I do do some hosting for um, a lot of the celebrities that come into town. And, and, and also recently I've, in my... <laughs> Um, well, I'm only 25, but <laughs> in my um, I've in my later years now, I've be I've got uh, I've been found a new passion for doing stunts in movies, and um, you know I was always been into fighting. I've been trained, and it's just an, I have a knack for it. It's just I don't mind taking hits. I don't mind, you know, doing a dive where most people are worried about they're going to break their hip. I don't care. I don't you know I just I enjoy it. For Mike. our listening audience, yes. yeah. uh, Mike is, how do I say this, built like a brick shithouse. <laughs> but, wait, but, but you know, in, in the best Diesel. way. In the best way. So, I'm but, a stalker. But <laughs> you, you, Ed, if you don't mind me jumping in, yeah. you said so many things, Mike, that you own the MTV logo for certain purposes? Yeah. What so, is, tell, us, tell us about that. So um, it was one of those nights I basically, I... Uh, I got uh, pretty stoned, and when I get stoned, I, it, it, it usually for a lot of people, it, it kind of calms my mind, and it gives me like I get to think about these ideas, and um, being friends with some of the entrepreneurs, the biggest ones the, besides celebrities, I deal with a lot of multi multi millionaires, billionaires, and become friends with them, and I get to go, you know, hear them speak at schools, at colleges, at you know tech conventions, at TED talks, and you get to learn of you know the type of person they are that they're they were able to you know take their balls and run for something and so and execute you know execution is everything and i just i had the vision i said one night i'm sitting there we're like my partner and i'm like he's like i want to you know i'm sick of being the middleman i you know the person with the power is the person that owns the brand if you have the license the license is everything and i next you know i'm stoned i'm watching mtv he has headphones on i go Hey, I go, why isn't there an MTV headphone? I mean, it's in mm. 189 countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of the, it's synonymous with music. And I'm like, why don't they have an electronic brand? And I, so next thing you know, I um, stayed up all night. We were partying all night. We were f really psyched. And the next day I went to one of my best friends, Wayne Chang, who is a serial entrepreneur. He was, founded a company called Crashlytics. And this software is in every single phone in the world, pretty much. They were acquired by Twitter. He became the general manager of Twitter. 
And he's involved in like probably 70 or 80 different companies. He's one of the- Crazy. Just, I mean, he was involved with, you know, he's had the lawsuit with the Vinklevoss twins because he developed, you know, I think it was Connect EDU or I, I2Hub and the original Facebook before Zuckerberg stole it. He was involved with Napster. He helped code Dropbox. I mean, this kid is a genius. Great, great kid. And, and he, then, hooked, he hooked you up well, with MTV? No, he, he just, I learned from him to uh -huh. like execute and he's just like, go for it. And then made the connections with MTV and showed up with a great team of um, rock star celebrities and um, the best engineers in the world. We sat down with like, we want to do this for you. And we want you guys to be our partner. We want to have your logo so we can put it on our headphones. And then we, you know, executed and came out with a brand. We, we launched in um, MTV Music Awards in Rotterdam. We were their head sponsor because they were a partnership. It was amazing, amazing event. I, but, uh, but unfortunately, somebody in the company, we had to freeze the company to make sure. But you still them. have that license. Yeah, we still have it, and we still have the in the products. We'll get it re-released re eventually. We're signing a separate deal with Viacom right now. Excellent. See, most of us, most of us, like you know, get stoned and wake up the next morning and say, you know, did I really eat that whole fucking thing of Ben, <laughs> of ben and Jerry's? And Mike wakes up and goes, wait a minute, did I get stoned and and buy the rights to the MTV logo? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm the former, not the latter, in that. All right, so. So cool. Like, we went off on a tangent I wasn't even expecting right there. Now, how, you know, how did you get to be in this position where you're the guy celebrities come to when they come to Boston? Well, again, it, let's talk, Eddie. I mean, if you remember the, back in high school, like, towards our senior years, I was the guy that would sell in the cops at the front oh, door of the keg parties. I remember. Um, it's because I would just, I was always tried to be that, you know, focal point of interest. You know, I liked you know, doing security, stuff like that. And on the other hand, I had a personality, which a lot of these people, you know, you see these big bounces, everything that don't have, they, they're just thugs and they don't have personality. I went down to the infamous Lansdowne Street and decided, I'm like, I want to be like in security. But the next thing you know, I was talking a lot of the customers out of fighting rather being a thug and then beating their asses yeah. behind Lansdowne Street. You know, we, I learned how to talk and there was like this, he said Obi-Wan Kenobi earlier, there's this dawn of dawns, his name is, um, um, Dominic with a beard. He's this character on Lansdowne Street that he has a beard, wears his sunglasses, infamous. Everybody knows who Dominic with a beard is. I went in there being this tough guy that wanted to fight everybody. And he would just teach me, be like, peas, Rostamon, peas, no peas. But yet somebody would run down the street and he's, he's scolding you not to fight. And there's somebody, a call from the street and he's looking at you, do, has glasses on. And he was a former Marine. Next you know, he just, you don't even see, his arm goes out. He knocks a guy over that's getting chased up by all the security and keeps on talking. Blood pressure never goes up at all. Yeah. I learned how to be more of a host and be like a VIP host and moved up the street, opened up the Euro Club on that street. It was a dorm in that place. It was like Studio 54. It was like you pick and choose who comes in there. It was a place called Embassy. And um, really enjoyed doing it. We were the original... Um, original promoters like there weren't like you know back then it's like you went to a club because it was a club and there was a dj then they realized that more of the promoters started kicking in and boston became more of a promoter driven city and um i started throwing like a parties at the actual club and then all of a sudden they bring in this huge manager to take over all lands on street from new york and he had this whole vision he's like and i'm not trying to say this in a way but he goes you know you're five nine two hundred you know 30 pound white kid. He's like, I want all six foot five African American doorman. 
and he's a big brother. He was like, that's reverse racism. <laughs> but, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, listen, I'm like, uh, you know, this is by, I don't know what it is in New York, but I go, I don't, that's not going to intimidate anybody. It's just, yeah. I mean, like we're, we want to be welcoming. And, and so he's like, yeah, well, you have a choice. You can go inside the club or I can, you know, you can go inside the club and be head of security for the street or you can, you know, that's the only option. He's like, I don't want you at the door. And I'm just like, well, you know, my father just got diagnosed with cancer at the time. I'm like, Ugh. so in my head, I just, you know, my father always says, you know, if you're going to do something, do it as best you can. And I said, went the next day, printed out business cards, passed them out to every single kid, left the street, started my first night, you know, running my own parties, you know, with, with all their clientele. And I moved over to, and I started opening, you know, opening up the, these ultra lounges like Whiskey Park and Saint and, you know, running the biggest nights for seven to 10 years of just sold out nights. And they've been, they've done that ever since. That's know? amazing. That's amazing. All right. So that world, the world, like it's, you know, being friends on social media, even though we've known each other forever, I get to like peer into your world and I get to see it. And it's always been fascinating to me, but as a suburban dad, <laughs> you know, who has been in the corporate world for however many years, it's always been like, Oh my God, that's awesome. I can't relate. Right. I can't I can't see it. So, you know, one of the one of the side rants I just want to say is like the house music, for example. Right. For me, like I never understood, I guess because I'm so out of touch with what's cool nowadays, but there's no instruments. Right. And that people are lining up and freaking out and dorking out about someone who's playing on a computer. That's like saying, hey, everyone come in for me from my perspective here, pay 20 bucks at the door and watch me program. You know what I mean? So anyways, sorry, side rant. <laughs> No, but, you know, Eddie, I get it. You know, one of the biggest P's, which I I started not understanding is... Right, that. Yeah, but, but exactly. But then there'll be a DJ, like, you know, Swedish House Mafia, and three guys that are playing, but they're the person who sang the song, like John Martin, nobody knows. And he's the live performer, and he comes out, and he can't sell it a venue, but it's his voice you hear. It became them be, play, pressing play is more powerful than a live singer and a live instrument. So That's somebody I, else, like I said, I'm just out of touch. You know, and I fully hey, admit they're going in yeah. there, they're making seventy five thousand dollars. They're pressing play and they're putting their hands up yeah, like right. this <laughs> to this light, music. And yeah, just <laughs> and like, come on, everybody! Like they hype up their, you know, just anybody. If you had a pre program, like you said, a pre program CD, you could be up there and be DJ Ed. You know, you just throw like a big, you know, I don't know, penis head on <laughs> on, on your head, and you're like, like you know. Dead mouse, and you're just going to be the right. you know, Cap yeah. Captain Penis, the, the DJ. <laughs> That's the, it's all the name. It's all the name. <laughs> it is. All right. So I'm sure, long rant, but I'm sure you've had some crazy stories. And if you're wondering, before we get to that, if you're wondering why people will listen to, you know, this over and over again, uh, where's my music? Sorry. My beloved house music. Uh, you need to be introduced to someone named Molly. As long as you take a lot of Molly, <laughs> that's right. This, this sounds terrific all night long. That's what I'm told. So. Yes. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing, and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seem so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name. 
Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast. One we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod617.com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. All right. Craziest, keep it clean, craziest nightclub story from your years. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I I don't know where to, like, there has to be more broken down. Is it like, do you <laughs> want to hear a celebrity story? Do you want to hear? Celeb's coming, so not that, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I as far as like financially, like I'm trying to think of like you know because like listen, we've had brawls. I mean, we've I mean I've sat, I sat there and you know there's I've stabbings and seen oh. the most horrific things ever. And you know it's, I it's there's when I tell you it's like I have people come over telling me war stories about the stuff that I did that I never even knew that I did or even remember because there's it's repetitive. We're talking twenty plus years every weekend. You know, something new happens, and it doesn't. There's nothing like that tops another one. You know, and, you know, you know, catching people. You know, getting blowjobs or you know, guys that you thought were straight. Next, thing you know, you're catching them in the back room. Oh my a god, with a, with a tranny, and it just you're like, what is going <laughs> on here? You know, like I, there is, you know, you can watch some of these, you know, movies like you know the Steve Rubells or whatever. Like in, in over the years, like I, ha- I mean, I would, I've always said I would love to write a memoir and be, you know call it like behind the velvet ropes you know without incriminating any sports players right or, you know you know or any celebrities where like so you don't have to name names but would i be would i be heart crestfallen i should say if i learned some of the things about some of my heroes over the years or the opposite you <laughs> you're right or the opposite more. right yes um <laughs> you know I don't, you know, it's fu- funny because I mean, we we always have this stereotypical view of what they would be like when they party, and I have to say it's true. <laughs> 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 like they, you know, they're like they live like they're, there's very few. And I'll say this uh, on the positive note: there are some celebrities like you know, and not of all the ones when I you know you know Chris Evans set me up with Helmsworth and. I'm just going to say this again. We didn't need to go into celebrities, but I just, oh, I'm going to, so but, <laughs> go, you know, go there. <laughs> it's like, usually I'm just, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, he wants to get table. He wants to do this. And, you know, we ended up hanging out and he want, we thought we were going to go out and we ended up, he just wanted to hang out. We went to the, you know, third floor of the Liberty hotel. There's 2000 people down, st- up down the stairs. We're the only ones on the third floor at a table. Just having conversations, he's like, I don't want to disrespect my wife. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to get Captain Fucking America. <laughs> no, no, no. That is Thor. Oh, Thor, yeah, even better. Yeah, Helmsworth. Helmsworth. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, Captain America is he's a very, very good friend of mine. I would not be talking about you, right. Chris. I don't want to know it no either. War I don't want to know it. I don't want to know it. I love Cap. Yeah. So you know, Dave, being the producer extraordinary, is he brought up you know some of Mike's photos over the years. Literally, I'm looking at people like the fucking Rock, yeah, Jenny McCarthy. Um, I have a, I have a pretty BJ, BJ a, Novak from yeah, The Office, right. that one, of course. Ben Affleck. I'll, I'll tell you right now, a really good. Uh, so, so they're right next to yeah, this. We're right next to uh, Dwayne Johnson. This is a very good story. Is Tanawai, who I love. He's one of my best friends. I mean, I l- absolutely love him. It's his first cousin. 
And um, that picture was taken in New York. I drove from Boston, made it to New York City in two and a half hours because I was hosting Dwayne at one of the clubs that I set him up at. But long story short, I ran a night in Boston. It was my party because I became friends with Tanawai. They, the last night of going out, they wanted to go out. So I had him and Morris Chestnut from, you know. Oh, I know Morris yeah, Chestnut. So, you know, yeah. Brian White, you know, Hayes MacArthur, the the huge guy that was uh, Michelle in Dodgeball. <laughs> um, more, yeah. So, I mean, J- Jamal Duff and, uh, and Dwayne was there. And um, at the very time, you know, uh, one of our waitresses' uh, father was uh, – the drummer from Boston, and she was the only one that I thought was capable of actually dealing with somebody on his level. So I introduced them, and she paid him no mind, which is nice to him, and they ended up talking. She took him on a tour of Boston the next day because it was his first day off, and he was finally done. And um, it's safe to say that they have two daughters right now. They've, they they be, they got together a year later, later, but because of that meeting. That's amazing. Um, you know, that's thing so. Dwayne, you can thank me for your daughter. I'm responsible. <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> the Rock's marriage coming. This is amazing. All right. So I have to ask. I'm a big Rock guy. You know, um, I used to, I'm not embarrassed to say I used to love WWE when he was in his prime. Mm-hmm. When he would do, you know, the can you smell what The Rock is cooking and candy ass and all his catchphrases. Is he as awesome and as a guy as he seems in person? You know, I and I'm going to be honest, I... It, it's, I didn't get to hang out with him as, you know, only on those two times it was I got to talk to him. It was like, you know, not very, very long time. And I've been on set to go visit Tanawai. Yeah. But, uh, you know, seeing Tanawai, um, and this is the real thing, I and mean, you can watch uh, that Tanawai was, is Dwayne surprised him and he does it all the time, gave him his truck. I saw that. Yeah, and, post. And, and, and seeing, you know, Tanawai, like it's just because I care about Tanawai. Like, I mean, I literally, I absolutely, he's one. If, if I'm going to war, he's going to be right one of my soldiers that I would choose to be there with me. And I, that motherfucker would be there. He would fucking go wherever I, I am to be there as I would for him. And uh, seeing him get emotional like that, it's like as a man, you know, because we're, you know, being yeah. the same, like yeah. I, I felt it, man. I felt it, you know, and you could feel like his. You know, his whole, you know, what is it? His aloha, you know, yeah. like his, you know, he just has that, which I've found like with this, the Samoan culture. Like, I mean, they are the most loving, caring, but you cross those big right. motherfuckers. <laughs> then they you got a haka you, they, you, <laughs> they will crush you. Yeah. You know, that's why it's like, you know, he does, they're, you, they're, they're, they're the best loyal friends that you have, but don't fucking cross them. I also saw Kim Kardashian up there. Yeah. I have to ask, <laughs> how was that? You know, terrible. Really? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, absolutely terrible. I mean, this is like you know that that was like from two thousand eight, I believe. And you know, she came in there. And she's paid to to host, and you know, paid a good amount of money to host, and she just stayed on her phone. Like, I mean, you're you're there. Like, these people are here to see you. You know, hours and hours a night, and she was sitting there on her phone ninety five percent of the time. That's unbelievable. Well, Dumbass. Yeah, exactly. Dumbass. Exactly. Because honestly, that you know, that's surprising, but it's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Because that's how she makes her living. I and I understand that. But yeah. again, at the end of the day, like it's she was also, you know, making her living and you know, even at that level, like dude, hire a fucking intern to be right <laughs> to be right. Kim Kardashian. Right. You know I mean? Exactly. Like, you know, it's and 
she should have she should have just engaged more with because there were a lot of upset fans and you know she went out there and maybe took a pictures with some of them for fifteen minutes but you know with that amount of time she could have just like spent a little bit more time and really embraced her fans. Yeah, you, you know you bring up a, a point that I, I just made me think about. So I don't know if you've heard on a prior podcast, Dave and I ripped social media behaviors <laughs> of different people, and the very top of my list of things that just fire me up is the term influencer. Does influencers, so you mentioned getting her into the club, does that really bring ass in seats? Um, well, uh, not per se the actual social media, um, like you said, influencer, but the actual, like, she's beyond that. She's an entity. She's a celebrity. She's seen on various, you know, because then, you know, do you have the Jenny Marbles of, of the radio right. things or that, I, I forget, I forget some of those, Jake, somebody, whatever, these big social media guys. Like, Dan Bilzerian. Yeah, but, well, Dan's different because uh-huh. like, Dan's a fucking maniac. <laughs> he, he is everything he is on that, you know, he's, he is, you know, that guy is, he, he <laughs> you, really You've is. met him oh, too. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, and, um, but you know the influencers like the girls that you know sit there they you know making the fucking fish lips and you know going to get some yeah. Botox and this and that and you know but yet you know they're living at their parents' house and parents bought them a car like they're you know these influencers are you know they feel that that's the rating of judgment and that's you know how you gotta you gotta be you're based upon your number of likes you know and it, it's they're again it's like there's those people that are just social media influencers. But it, you know they make some money for advertising that and that, but they're not going to come out there and necessarily sell out a club because people want to go see them. And, yeah, you know, I mean, it's I mean, I think that's more like the younger like generation with the Twitch people or the you know they follow these game guys that have now become their social media celebrities, and people are running out to go see them because they spent hours watching them rather than going out and playing sports. All right, who was the coolest celebrity, nicest, down to earth, coolest celebrity you've ever hosted? Um, I'm going to just say for as far as a story, which I, I really, really appreciated is, was, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Really? And out of, I mean, I mean, this mm-hmm. is, and he was one of the first, like, but I just remember me just being blown away that here I was. And I was at this time, I was just like, a knucklehead yeah, <laughs> bouncer yeah. that at oh a fight and like I would jump off a speaker on 10 people like uh, you know superfly snooker <laughs> and, and no fear and just knock everybody over and people thought it was just fucking crazy <laughs> but um he came in and this was at Venus de Milo's and he came in there and, and you know at the end of the night he's like you know I'm hungry he goes I want to take the whole staff out to eat I mean we're just like you know, security guards. Yeah. And, I mean, but I'm talking, he took all of us to like this, uh, to a breakfast place. And that's just, uh, to me, like that just showed like, you know, he wasn't trying to get ass. He was just trying to enjoy people in, in their presence. Right. Yep. And <laughs> yeah, we got him in action. Yeah. Say it with me one time, Jerry. Jerry, use the money. I love it. Say it with me, I got Bob Sugar on the other line. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 show you the money. That's not show you, show me the money. You know, you bringing that clip in is like some of the things like, I, you know, you know, from talking over the years how much of a Zabka fan I am. And I was going to ask you about yeah. a minute, Karate Kid. When I see and meet some of my heroes, I can't help but dork out. When I met the guy who played Flash Gordon. Oh, my God. I literally said, thank you for saving every one of us. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. But how do you rein that in and be cool and not fanboy out when you meet some of these people that are heroes? You know, it. I think it, you just start getting immune to it and you realize that they really are just, all they are is you or I with a different job, Eddie. You know, it's just, uh, 
you know, I don't put them on a pedestal and I break their fucking balls as much as I break anybody else's balls. I don't kiss their asses, you know what I mean? But I will help cater to them to what they need. But, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes there's been a few times I'm like, listen, I'm not taking money from you. I'm, I'm doing this because I enjoy doing this. And then if somebody like kind of like gave an order or something, I'd, I'd put them right on, right in their fucking place. Good. I love it. Yeah. All right. Let's switch gears a second. You own a restaurant, a popular restaurant, in the biggest tourist destination in Boston. In Faneuil Hall, he owns Miha Cantina Tequila Bar. I've eaten there a couple of times. One of the times you were there. With Jason Stone. That's right. Yes, <laughs> that's right. One of the times you were there, and I felt I got the VIP treatment. It was awesome, Dave. Jason Stone Law, if anybody. Right. Stone Cold Law, <laughs> if you guys were 10% on this Jason for a commercial. Better phone, Stone. Better phones. He knows Jason, too, Dave. Yeah. Um, we grew up together, Dave, years ago. Jason was a Framingham kid. But running a restaurant, I'm sure, along with you know the celebrity VIP and the nightclubs and everything, is, is a running a restaurant itself is huge work. Never mind in Faneuil Hall. <clears throat> Tell me about, A, how that happened. How'd you get into that world? And then, B... What, what it's really like to run a restaurant, because I can tell you, I, I, I learned why I started my business is I hate managing, mm-hmm. right? And I used to do it. So I can't imagine managing, but managing several people and probably transient staff, too, who come mm-hmm. and go. You know, uh, I fucking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was one of those things at the time, and I'm, I'm going to say I had a, I, I just got out of a really bad business deal. Um, I actually got screwed, and I was uh, I lost a lot of my my. I know, I, like we talked about in the parking lot, I took some risks that yeah. you know that usually um, a married man won't take, you know, because I you know I didn't have mouths to feed, and that's you know it was it was that exchange that I was I, I, I have a higher chance that I could take a risk over somebody like you taking a certain yeah, risk, sure. And I took some risks in business, and I you know I lost like you know half my life savings. And at the time, I, you know, I, I needed something new, and I was taking time away from the nightclub industry. And um, it was one of those things that just one of my friends bumped into me. He's like, hey, let's go open up a fucking nightclub. I'm like, yes. Been my dream since I was a kid. You know, I uh-huh. want to open a night. I was always, you know, you remember, I was a kid that we'd yeah. I'd drive to Shadows with all the brothers. I would, shadows. You know, tracks. <laughs> like, I would, like any dance club under, you know, 16 yeah. club, I was there, and I thought I was the best dancer. I, you know, that my love for music, you know, being in the band and all that, and, you know, I loved music, so music has always been a passion, hence why I was always drawn to nightclub because of the music and my appreciation for music. And um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> restaurant, get back yeah. to the restaurant. So, yeah. yeah, you know, it was one of those things. And, you know, next thing you know, we're looking for nightclubs. Next thing you know, we decided, like, hey, let's open up a restaurant. And, you know, I grabbed this, like, restaurant journal weekly and all said, growing trends, tequila bars. I'm like, let's open a fucking tequila bar. And, you know, and Mike I, has no Mexican ancestry. And I have not only that, um, I've never tried a tequila. I quit drinking at 21 years old. And, uh, and I'm working in the industry of just sin. You yes. know, with like, you know, cocaine, molly, <laughs> booze. Everywhere. And, and I quit drinking at 21 years old. And it was, uh, you know, so I never tried a tequila. It was just like, hey, you know, you know, we're going to get a, open a tequila bar, 150 different types of tequila. And um, we started looking for all these venues. And next thing you know, we go to one restaurant. And then all of a sudden, t- a month later, we find out a tequila bar is going in there. We were like, we were the first. Because, you know, there's like every place that we went to go look, a new one would... 
somebody would get grab the lease. Yeah. Almost like we were telling them, hey, what concept do you want to do here? And then all of a sudden they have other, hey, hey guys, these guys are looking around to do this. And next you know, somebody was able to execute. Stealing, than stealing ideas, yeah. And then, um, you know, so my partner, Charlie, uh, had a family friend who happened to be Tom Kershaw. He's uh, the owner of Cheers, like the franchise Cheers. And yeah. He's like, listen, he's like, I have, you know, Cheers in, Cheers in Faneuil Hall. And on the other side, it, it's a mirror restaurant with Sam Malone's Cafe, Sam's Cafe. And he's like, would you guys want to buy that? He's like, I can get you in there because, in, which is one of the hardest places to get into. You still have to go in front of the Boston Redevelopment Association that like basically owns that. You have to go in front. The mayor has to basically approve it. And like the mayor looks out his window, you see Miha Cantina. Like you are the first place when you walk into Faneuil Hall. And um, we, we got we got the lease. You know, they they granted us the lease and you know, put a lot, put our asses and our, <laughs> our life on the line and my, you know, putting my house as a guarantee. It took some big risks. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, we just hit our uh, ninth year. Amazing. Actually like a, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, management, like, as you know, as time goes on, you start, you have to put trust in the people. And, you know, it's like, you know, why would I want to work there on a Friday and Saturday night when I can go make more money, you know, diversifying myself in the nightclub industry or something else, you know, and, you know, because I, I don't want to sit at home, you know, I, yeah. I, I want to be out, I want to be meeting people and networking because, again, it's like you can be someone that's rich, but if you don't have a huge network, you'll never grow it any bigger than what you have. Mike, so, hey, Mike, if you don't mind me asking, um, when you quit drinking at 21, was that because you were headed down a bad road or... <laughs> Because I, I find it amazing that you can be am, among this party crowd for your career. It's what you do, and, and yet you don't drink. You know, um, it was just I was getting it was I was getting in trouble, and um, you know, just getting in a lot of trouble, over, and you know, upsetting my family, and you know, having to have them help me out more than once, like kind of you know, bail me out of stuff, you know, and that it, it it's just uh, I realized that I wasn't just hurting myself. And you know, I, I had to get, <laughs> I had to go to court mandated AA meetings, and I, you know, I went into that and I really started respecting that. And you know, again, I wasn't one of those guys that hey, you know, that was taking AA slogans. I was, I, I latched on to some very powerful kids, like you know, um, you remember Group Pedigree? Yes. And I don't mind saying it because they are, very, they're not anonymous about it. And Maddie Bouchelle, mm-hmm. you know, we, and we started doing motivational speaking, and I was working with the Governor Governor's Alliance Against Drugs, you know, giving people, telling kids about, you know, being one, that kid in school that you know, did every drug before anybody else. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to say what type of psychedelics in middle yeah. school. Like, yeah. I mean, I tried everything, but I was that kid that tried stuff way before everybody. And it, you know, it kind of, I've always had that obsessive compulsive personality that I can, you know, I can get addicted to things very easily. And it was just, again, it's, do I look back now and say I was an alcoholic and I'll say, no, I wasn't. I just was a kid with a behavior problem. And, you know, my behavior, it was, I was that loving, good kid, but I would drink, you know, alcohol and I would, every built in, you know, war story, anything that I've been bullied or whatever else would come out. And if I saw, and I was a kid that you could fuck with me, but I'd take it. But if you fuck with my friends, I would turn into this bowling ball and knock everybody over. And that's what happened. It was just, it was, it, it was like, it was like a cancer to me that when I drank, I had the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde syndrome. That's impressive though, that you yeah. at 21, you know, a lot of people don't have that realization at that time in their lives. You know, y- you lead me to something here um, that I was planning on asking you, but you know, you, that, this conversation kind of led it there is, 
it all sounds amazing, right? And I look at the outside in and, you know, in, in my life and I'm like, oh my God, I see Mike posting all these celebrity pictures and beautiful women and all these exotic locations all around the world. It looks so cool, but I'm sure there's some downsides too. What are the downsides of the existence that you, that you live today? You know, I'm going to say this, and as you talk about the grass is always greener on the other side, um, I'm going to say this is um, the term legacy. Um, in my, I'm now in my age, in my, you know, shooting blanks, you know, that, right. you know, it's like, dude, you know, your children, your grandchildren are going to know who Ed Nathanson is, you know, and it's about leaving a mark on this world. And, you know, um, we are put on this, we're supposed to procreate yeah. know, before anything else. And it's just like, I feel the biggest downfall is I feel like it's taken a special type of woman to deal with what I do. Cause again, you, you know, jealousy factors knowing that you know next you know there's a picture you're you're you know dude people just want to take pictures with you and, yeah you know you're in a picture with a girl and all of a sudden she kisses your cheek and all of a sudden the girlfriend sees that they'll take it the wrong way and it's like you know it's about being respectful and you know just finding the right girl and i've you know a lot of relationships have uh, unfortunately have crumbled over the fact is because they're in their head like well i thought you were going to stop this i thought you weren't going to do this anymore right led to believe I was going to do something else by, you know, jumping in all different things. I'm like, no, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, like, I'm not going to give it up. You know, if I, if I, if I can make good money and, you know, I'm not, what am I going to do? Go on a Friday, Saturday night and drink. I don't drink. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit at home and watch Netflix. Mm-hmm. But again, I feel the biggest downfall is I, I sacrificed. <laughs> that's, that's company. That's, yeah. that's show policy. No, I know. But I, <laughs> so I, sa- I sacrificed Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I feel the biggest downfall is is you know the envying of like, dude, you have beautiful kids. I mean, I've followed you, you know, live vicariously uh, through, through your side. And I was a kid that you know my family always thought like, hey, you're going to be the best. I dad. know all your family. I've known and, them. And you're, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, you're going to be the best dad. You're going to be the first to have kids. And, you know, now my older brother has five of his own kids and five stepkids. And, and your younger brother, brother too. Yeah. Too. And I'm I'm just the crazy uncle monkey. You know, it's like in, you know, and I almost say like I I wish I I had kids, but you know, hey, the grace of God, I do have a a, a young. Young girlfriend that is, uh, you know, wants kids and, uh, you know, and thank God that insurance, if I ever have to, <laughs> like if I need help, you know, then, you know, or you she don't needs need help. help. You don't need help. Oh, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, because believe me, I mean, I just, I just, I'm just surprised that I haven't had somebody come up, show their ID and I look at them like, wait, your eyes look so familiar. Those are my eyes. <laughs> you know, like, who's your mother? Who's your, you know, who are, you know, like, or uh, now it's like, who's your grandmother? Uh, amazing. Yeah. Mike. You have been tremendous. This is, uh, you know, it's a trip for me because, as I said, I've known you and your family. Your mother used to feed me turkey and ketchup sandwiches, I remember, at your house as a kid um, to see the man you've become. And, you know, as I said, there's a reason I wanted you on the show because I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm in awe of a lot of the things that you've done. Um, how do people find you? How do people find you online and to, to learn more about you and your businesses? Well, again, we talked about the facade of social media. Again, it's like, you know, believe me, if I wasn't in this industry, I would not have any social media because I just, I know the the game and everything else. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm on, I'm VIP host on Twitter. I'm uh-huh. on, you know, Instagram. I'm Boston VIP host or on Facebook. I'm 
Michael Winter, but I go by Winter Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, in the city since I, it's always been since I was a kid, I was always called Winter. It wasn't like you know that like yeah. because teachers would call me Winter. Yeah, it's you true. Know, like, you know, it's, it's true. It's all be you know standing up in Mrs. Bug class and saying, yeah. <laughs> you know, my name is Mike Winter. You know, I'm, I live on Winter Street in six one seven, which was the area code back then. You know, what I mean and. It was always winter, you know. It's uh, you know, so I'm Winter Michael on on Facebook and uh, the restaurant, of course, Miha Boston, and you can find a Miha Boston at Common Miha's M I J A, and it's delicious. You should go, especially if you're in Faneuil Hall. Get away from that that sea of humanity. Get in there. It's beautiful, nice wood, good food. Excellent guac, by the way. And, and in a couple of weeks, go to the casino, win $10,000, then come over and spend it at Faneuil Hall. There you go. There you go. Really? Mike, awesome to have you. Thank you, Ed. Yeah, just tell people how to get in touch with the Ed man, the oh, chosen one. Absolutely. Thank you. At Ed Nathanson on Twitter. Ed underscore Nathanson on Instagram. Ed Nathanson on LinkedIn and redpilltalent.com. Yeah.